Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, rounding up the best of Bailiwick Sport every Thursday. Coming up on the show, we'll be talking walking football following last weekend's Festival of International Competition at Foots Lane. We'll also look ahead to a busy bank holiday weekend with Hampshire Athletics, Horse of the Year show and 100 Ball Cricket among the highlights. I'm Tony Kerr and with me today is Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. Jamie Ingrall. Hi, Tony. And Harry Jones. Hello. Great to see you guys. Hopefully you're in uh, better shape than me this week. My, my voice is slightly gone, but... Um, all COVID clear, so that's the good news. Um, let's kick off with some highlights of the week, shall we? Um, Gareth, what's caught your eye this week? Well, the fact that we're actually going to have an intrinsic of any sort of type, Tony, really actually uh, it was very cheerful. Unfortunately, on the same day, we heard that um, cricket would not be having an intrinsic this year, which didn't come as a great surprise, but that's now finally been uh, confirmed. But it was great to hear that the golf, um, which is scheduled for the 11th and 12th of September uh, at Royal Jersey, will go ahead. Um, it meant a very, very swift selection process for Ireland captain Dave Jeffrey. I spoke to him sort of after the match had been confirmed. He said, yeah, I'm just convening a selectors meeting for that evening. And uh, within 24 hours, he'd picked a side. So um, it was a very quick turnaround for Dave. Um, I know he'd sort of been planning for this eventuality anyway, because he'd been sort of like hoping that it'd be going ahead. Um, so um, it was good to to get that team straight away, and uh, obviously the big news that Ollie Chedom gets his debut. It's it's hardly a surprise considering he's the the best golfer in the island in terms of handicap now. Um, but a 16 year old making the the island side is great news, and also um, Arthur Evans getting in um, perhaps the other end of the age range really. But um, Arthur is just. Uh, he's he's proven himself to be a real great competitor over the last few years, so it's good to see um, new names in that side. Uh, and also, Rory McKenna didn't quite make it, um, but uh, he is reserved for that side, another 16-year-old. Um, if he hadn't gone off to Bisley in his other um, sporting uh, pursuit of shooting, which he's very good at as well, he, he would have played in a couple more tournaments, which might have even edged him into the side, but... He'll, he'll obviously make his uh, debut very soon, I'm sure. Um, but no, it's just great news that um, we will get an Intrinsula. Yeah, that is really exciting. It's a couple of weeks away. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit more detail, look at the players involved and everything before uh, things get underway. Guernsey going as defending champions, uh, always tougher to win it away. What's the feeling in the camp? Um, I know uh, Dave's very confident, as he always is, that we could get the job done. It, it is In golf, it's very much sort of like the home team always goes in as favourites. Um, Jersey will be very keen to get the trophy back but um, it is all on that um, on that weekend and the Guernsey players who have made the side certainly showing some very good form of late I mean the guys like uh, Mick Marley Tom Patamore um, obviously Ollie as well Jamie Blondel they've all been playing really well in the last few weeks so they should be going there with um, hopes high. I, I imagine it'll be another very tight game and it'll come down to one or two rubbers going down to the 18th uh, at Royal Jersey. So um, it should be pretty exciting that weekend. Oh, fantastic. Um, Jamie? So we had the Guernsey Velo Club staging their 100k road race last weekend. Um, I imagine for the uninitiated, that doesn't sound particularly thrilling. Um, you'll probably play picturing loads of riders really spaced out, but that was not the case. In fact, when it came down to the finishing sprint, we had seven riders still in it. It was quite nice to see some contention from younger 
competitors. Like we had three 16-year-olds who made the finishing sprint effectively. Uh, Thierry Nishemanant being a triathlete who's just moved up from Division 2. I think that's particularly impressive. Um, we had Jack Reed, who's been competing in France for a French team. And we also had Josh Saunders, likewise very promising, all around 16. But in the end, Mark Cox, who's really established himself in the last few years, got it with a powerhouse sprint. Is that the headline event of the summer when it comes to road racing? Oh, we've had a real mix. I think it was quite nice to have a longer event, but well, which isn't so long that it becomes a very exclusive affair. Like it's, yeah, we just had a good mix of irregulars and some youngsters who managed to hold on for the whole distance. Just made it interesting. Yeah, awesome. Um, Harry, we're going to come to you in a sec. I mean, yeah, I think a highlight for, for a lot of people this week was reading your stuff and um, all of our Guernsey Press interns work on Tuesday, so taking over the paper. So congratulations on that one. It definitely got a good reception. Yeah, thanks yeah. for taking some of the work off us. That was great. <laughs> I loved it. How, uh, yeah, how was that for you? Uh, it was a really good experience. So it was sort of conjured up by James and Emma Anderson a couple months ago. We had our first training day about a month ago now, I think. And it was about sort of eight, nine of us interns, I think, working on it. Maybe a couple more, I'm not sure on the exact number, but I was the only one doing sports. So I had the sole responsibility of covering everything. And so the two main topics we decided to focus on was obviously young people in sport, since it was a youth takeover, and also a greater emphasis on women in sport. So I got to speak to people like Rhiannon Dowington, who's a really good hurdler, Rachel Simon, really promising fencer, and um, cover a story about the new Guernsey Women's Football League which is just coming back this season. They've got about 25 players, I think, at the moment. They're still trying to get uh, more. But it was nice to cover that. It's nice to see uh, Guernsey women's football maybe growing again after the Channel Island League was, I believe, cancelled a few years ago, or at least to Guernsey teams. Um, also worked a bit on Tatiana Tostovin, talking about her with her swimming. Same with Charlie Joe Hallett, both really promising swimmers, about 18, 19, I think both of them are. So it was really good to speak to someone, um, to different sort of people that I've been speaking to in the last couple of months at the press. It was really exciting. Yeah, awesome. And tell us a bit more about that um, new women's football league then, because it has been, uh, well, I think, about five years since, since we had a, a sort of fully blown, fully fledged women's league in Guernsey. I know that a couple of the sides, um, or the Guernsey ladies FC and Orma, taking part in the, the, the Jersey League as sort of part of a CI league for the last couple of years. But this is going to be a sort of four-team draft competition. It is, yeah. So it's Richard Sutton, who is um, the brain behind it, basically. He took over as the Guernsey women's manager in 2016, I believe. He hasn't yet been able to coach a Marathi, but he has got high hopes for the side. So yeah, there was this Channel Islands um, Women's Football League, which did have two Guernsey teams. And now it is under one branch, under one banner, which is Guernsey Ladies FC, I believe. And it's four teams they're trying to create from it, going to do a draft like the 100 had. And basically said they're going to try and get all the teams to pick their own kits, pick their own colours and have the foremost experienced players as the captains. So it's a really exciting project. But the problem is now just getting enough players to take part, because as I said, I think there's about 25 currently who've got their names down definite. So it's just about getting the more adverts out, getting more exposure to it and trying to find players who are willing to play and sort of compete for spots in Island Games teams and Marathi teams. Yeah, I'm sure your article on Tuesday um, did just that. So, yeah, I hope so. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're hoping, I think, to speak to to Richard and um, uh, about it more on Monday's Football Pod. So keep an eye out for that one. Right, that's it for part one. Um, coming up next, we'll be talking walking football with Paul Wheatley. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you're joining us from the Guernsey Press website, you can also find the pod on most major platforms too, including Apple and Spotify. Uh, So do give us a follow there to get every episode delivered straight to you. 
Now, all being well, it won't be long until Footslay and is packed to the rafters on a regular basis once again. Uh, but last weekend, it was the pitch playing host to hundreds of people with five England sides across to take on their Guernsey counterparts in walking football. I spoke to one of the organisers, Paul Wheatley, to find out how it all went and how he hopes it'll move the sport forward locally. The great bit was that it was like for England, they waited two years to come away and play. And um, we had an incredible time with them when they came in uh, October in 2018, but they got very, very wet last time. So this time they had some sunshine. Uh, basically, we had five teams from England, um, three from Guernsey, I made up with men and women. Um, it was uh, a, really for us more of an exhibition of what walking football was about. Um, obviously, everyone wanted to win, um, but it was um, for us quite a good PR event and, and worked really well for us. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, as you say, five England teams involved. Um, we'll come on to sort of the, the participation and the, the sort of background to it. In terms of the competitive nature of things, how, how did the results go? How did the matches go? Well, we, we unfortunately, we didn't win any matches. We did score goals. The, the, the score lines were quite tight. It was like 1-0, 2-0. There was, we had 1-4-1, which uh, I think some of the guys got a bit tired at the end of the game. Uh, but that's a reality when you get older. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, the the passion of everybody taking part was fantastic. I think because obviously there's not much competition around at the moment because of the state of uh, travel and opportunities when it comes to the international end of the game. But it was um, yeah just a great time for everybody. And uh, if you'd seen the celebrations on Saturday night and Sunday night, it was like well into the early hours of the morning with each group. So. Um, yeah, no, did, did a lot of good things for a lot of people. Great to hear. And obviously, um, you know, for all sports, uh, it has been, you know, not just in Guernsey, further afield, of course, you know, it's been a challenging 18 months, hasn't it? Um, as you say, uh, you know, you've been planning this for a little while. Have you still been able to sort of grow the sport or is it, you know, has it kind of come into its own over these last sort of few months and, and couple of years? Um, I think what's happened is obviously during COVID, the COVID closed down, um, then people started to look at what they could do once the doors were open again. And I think the lucky bit for us was we, we you know, we've got a little bit of coverage and help from you guys and the press and so on. And bit by bit that it's grown we've got over 100 members now you said before that you've you founded sort of Guernsey walking football a, you know, a few years ago what six or seven years ago how has it changed over that over that time is it still evolving as a sport in terms of who's involved um what what age groups and and the kinds of people you're attracting it is it is. When we first started, we had quite a large group around the sort of 40s and 50s. We've now the bigger groups between 60s and, and creeping into 70s with um, yeah, a, a smaller number in the 40s and 50s. Uh, but we're not too worried about that because it, it's a game that's growing and we're, we're constantly getting people come and have a try. Works for some people, doesn't work for others. Um, but, you know, we, we we're able to retain a lot of people and, yeah, we've hopefully this um, event last weekend is sort of will we'll keep the interest going yeah and it wasn't just about what happened on the pitch was it last weekend I know you had some um, some sort of coaching of coaches and sort of practical and theory sessions um, from from English coaches just talk us through that 
right. Well, basically, a few years ago, I'm out with Stuart Langworthy about four years ago, and we talked about the development of the game. And I asked them, as their lead coaches, if they were prepared to come to Guernsey as they're going to other countries to help show the game. They've been out to Singapore and various uh, Gibraltar and a few other countries, and they'd been to Guernsey and done uh, like coaching for referees, coaching for players, and coaching for coaches. Because there's no manuals for coaching yet. There's plenty of rules there <laughs> to work from. Um, so we've been utilising their, their expertise and what they've been meeting around the world as they've been travelling. And we basically put together the same thing again this weekend. So we had quite a nice group of players. Several um, people took on um, the referee inside. It was a difficult one. Um, Andy Bisson's grandson, actually, um, who's only 15, has come away with a qualification, which was a pleasant surprise for him and for us. But we were, you know, we were over the moon for for him. Um, so even the, the the real young ones are taking an interest. Oh, that's brilliant. And how will that help to to kind of continue to take things forward? I guess the ambition is to just to sort of widen the net and you know encourage you know more and more people to take part. Yeah, we, we, we would. I mean, my ideal thing several years ago was that the football clubs themselves took on walking footballers. Sort of, you come in as a mini and you go out as a walking footballer. Um, that hasn't quite happened. So we, we've stuck with it at the centre in sort of in agreement with the GFA. Um, other counties, not all counties, but several counties have actually taken on board, putting it through the clubs. But even if it did manage to get to the clubs one day, we would still work from the centre and sort of have a bit like you do with the girls' football and things like that. We have a central soccer school, we'd have central walking football um, to feed you know feed players in and give them a chance to play socially rather than competitively or too competitively, I should say. Yeah, is that club involvement then? Is that still something you're pursuing? I know in Jersey, they you know that's the way they've gone, isn't it? Yeah, Jersey. Uh, yeah, they took it on board. Um, I mean, we've been we've played with Jersey a few times and talked to their guys. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it's quite a big commitment to take something on like that. You, you, you need people in place to be able to manage it all, and I sort of fully understand why. Sort of Gary Roberts and Angus and Joel and that it, it would be too much pressure at the moment. They haven't got enough people to take those sort of things on. So. For us, we'll keep pressing on. I mean, we work closely with them anyway, so um, yeah, we'll just see how it goes for the future. The key bit is we've got people taking part on the island and we're able to give them an opportunity to go and play away. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, you, you mentioned playing away. What What's next on the you know on the actual competition side of things? Is, it, you know, is there a chance for players to go away and compete at a higher level? Yeah, well, we've got a festival um, in middle of October here, it's mainly over 60s coming at the moment. We're going to try and cut, uh, get some over 50s to come across if we can. Um, and then the next steps is looking at uh, probably the Isle of Man again because we played against them. We did a when the air bridge was open, we did a, a switch uh, with them. We'll probably do that Jersey, um, and then we'll go a bit further afield there's a lot of discussion obviously it's all got to be financed at the end of the day so a bit of fundraising has to go on and a lot of help from local industry thankfully you were raising some money as well this weekend for bowel cancer guernsey how important is that kind of aspect of things that that obviously you have fun on the pitch you get people involved but also you can do a bit of good as well yeah i mean we, we set up as a charity this year um after obviously lots of years of working just as a group um, and that's turned us around a little bit and we've realised that obviously we need to help others. So we've been looking at various charities. The UK teams um, generally look after prostate cancer. They've got a big tie-up with them. 
but we felt that perhaps the um, bowel cancer of Guernsey, um, which is a small um, charity, could, could probably do some help from anybody. And we said that we were happy to take that on. So we'll we raise money from this time and we'll do the same thing again in October. Paul Wheatley there from Guernsey Walking Football. Um, now let's have a quick look ahead to the weekend. There is an awful lot going on. Um, Jamie, you're heading up to the Horse of the Year show today. Yeah, it's quite nice to have an actual Horse of the Year show, considering it is it is for a long time being the focus of a domestic show jumping calendar. Um, last year we did kind of a Guernsey Together show over three different days, only Guernsey people, which was very nice for the locals. But this year we're a bit closer to normality. We've got four days of packed show jumping competition and we have a team contest between Guernsey and Jersey. Um, in an ordinary year we might add England for the equation as well. But even so, just having a makeshift like interinsula between the two islands, I'm sure it'll be very exciting. Yeah, always a good spectacle up there um, and you're heading off as well for the weekend to the Hampshire Championships yes I am so um one of one performance I do want to highlight from the weekend just gone was Kate Bain um she's another very promising female athlete specializes in the 800 meters um she won their sovereign title for the distance which was quite impressive I also want to add that it was on her 16th birthday <laughs> yeah, obviously it's very nice to return to competing off Ireland. But yeah, they're competing off Ireland returns at pace this coming weekend with she's joined with a few other promising athletes. Um, I think we've sort of got an 800 metre double header with young John Luca Rebilliard. He's run what's of 157 for the distance this season. So yeah, very promising. And yeah. I think they'll be our main competitive hopes among the youngsters. We've also got a few seniors travelling over and it would just be nice to get off island in sort of Guernsey Athletics' first big group trip since COVID pandemic started. Yeah, I mean, after a few full starts on the kind of interinsular front on sort of travelling away, things do seem to be moving back to some semblance of normality. Obviously, we heard about the, the golf happening in Jersey in a couple of weeks. Horse of the Year, as he's mentioned as well, with Jersey um, riders coming over for that. So, yeah, that's really good to hear. Um, something more of a novelty, though, on Saturday, Gareth, uh, down at the KG5, the first 100-ball final. Yeah, we've got the, the Challenge Cup. It's, it's pretty much bringing the season to a, to a conclusion now that the interinsular won't be going ahead. But um, optimists who um, went through the whole evening league campaign without winning a game have found the 100 really to their liking. Um, it's great to see the, the youngsters doing so well. I mean, the, the bowling attack is pretty much all juniors. Uh, they'll be taking on Kobo, um, whose campaign has obviously been boosted by the fact that Tim Ravenscross has been available to them. I mean, it's the most ideal uh, format for him, really. He can, he can just just go out and enjoy himself. Shorts really, which better, is, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can launch a few into the car park or in, uh, sort of over the boundary and just... Um, just wander home at eight o'clock, so it was great for him. Um, but no, I think it'd be a, a really entertaining game. And um, yeah, I, I hope that optimists um, do themselves justice. They've been playing really well in this tournament. Um, there's also going to be the, the lower division uh, final, which is uh, it's an, an 80 ball competition because of the, the length of their, their season. It was longer than the top flight. So um, uh, the day actually starts at 11 a.m. Uh, there's a plate final in between the two main sort of finals. So it's going to be a, a pretty long and uh, fast and furious day of cricket at the KG5. And I think the forecast looks decent, so yeah, well worth popping down. Yeah, it is supposed to be dry, yeah, so um, it, it should be a decent day. I think they've got um, barbecues on the go, and um, I'm sure the, the the terrace, the Legends Terrace will be packed, um, especially considering it's going to be on the day that, that uh, the number one of our top 100 is going to be revealed as well, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of dis 
discussion about uh, cricket, both uh, present and past, going on. Yeah, absolutely. Look out for a special podcast as well on that. Um, yeah, Rob uh, has been speaking to uh, three people who know all about uh, local cricket, plenty of experience, seen uh, you know, most between them of the, or if not all of the uh, players that I'm sure mentioned in the uh, the top 100 countdown so far. As you say, reaches a conclusion on Saturday. Um, look out for that special podcast in um, this feed. Uh, on Saturday as well, I think. Yeah, I'll try and get up first thing Saturday morning. Uh, yeah, I, I won't be involved in the 80-ball final. Uh, me and my Kobo B colleagues uh, managed to get bowled out inside 80 balls in the, in the, in the quarterfinal. <laughs> That's quite spectacular. Yeah. Really. It takes a lot of effort to do that. Not massively effective for me. I think it's sort of one-off seven, which is, uh, yeah, whether I get the call-up next year remains to be seen. Um, Harry, are you anywhere this weekend? Uh, no, so today is my last day at the press. Um, really love my last few months here, but... The time has come to an end as I head back to uni next year. But I know there's a lot of football going on this weekend, so I'll try to get down to some games if possible. I'm not quite sure on what the fixtures are yet. But it was a really exciting weekend last week in the football, so hoping to see some good action yet again. Yeah, I think there's some Jeremy Cup. Uh, Jeremy Cup yeah, Bells are, Bells are hosting North um, at the track and uh, Valrec play Sylvans for the second time in two weeks. But this year, that's in the Jeremy rather than the Prio. Uh, and there is one Prio game going on. Uh, Rangers host uh, Rovers on Saturday afternoon. All the games are at two o'clock. Gareth, a little further afield, Heather Watson getting ready for another US Open where she will be looking again for her first victory career win there, but she's not going in necessarily in the best shape. Well, yeah, fingers crossed that she she is sort of fit to take her place in the draw. She retired hurt from her match, her first round match at the Chicago Women's Open this week after having a, a decent run in Cincinnati where she got to face Ash Barty, the world number one, and had a couple of tight sets against her. So it was looking like Heather was hitting some decent form and then unfortunately she had to retire this week. Hopefully it's nothing too serious and it was perhaps hopefully precautionary ahead of um, going to Flushing Meadows this week. Yeah, and the draw, I think, uh, takes place later on today. Uh, one more thing, Jamie, Bank Holiday Monday hill climb. Yes, so we have the culmination of the Val de Terre's hill climb season, uh, obviously Guernsey's flagship hill. Um, last time out, we had a very promising showing from Nick Saunders, who's now actually really closing down on potentially the all-time record of the hill. Whether he gets that remains to be seen, but he took the... He took the Guernsey Carter Motor Club record from Darren Warwick, who's very well-renowned locally. Basically, we're split into two different clubs. Uh, Guernsey Motorcycle and Car Club are hosting this event, and we're hosting nationals, etc. That's where you get the really fast times thrown down by top English drivers, etc. Um, yeah, we'll see how close he can get to that all-commerce record of 26.99 seconds. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, uh, we'll leave it there. Harry, thanks very much for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's been great to have you uh, you know, in the building for the last few weeks. Uh, all the best with uh, yeah, the return to uni, and we'll see you again soon. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks a lot. Yeah, brilliant, guys. Um, do give us a follow if you're not already on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at GSY Press. Uh, sport is the place to go there. And do pick up a paper as well for all the very best local sports coverage. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony.